Good morning. morning. Welcome to Northminster Church this morning on this beautiful December day. Uh, I don't have a mic here. Am I going to get picked up on the stream? From this one, so we're good to go? Okay. Just want to make sure all of our friends joining us online can hear, uh, because I know my aunt is probably watching, and I will hear about it if she can't hear anything. (laughs) Hi, Aunt Jill. Uh, Welcome to all of you, whether you're in here in person or online. We are grateful for your presence with us this morning. I want to say a special welcome to anyone who's visiting with us today. We're particularly glad that you are here. And if you have not been with us before, we do take communion here at Northminster every week. There are instructions for how we do that on the insert to your order of worship. So you can read over that or just follow the people around you and they will lead you in the right direction. Several announcements to make this morning. Um, Hope you will stay after church for our after church fellowship time. It's always a nice time to get a little snack and catch up with everybody. I also need to tell you when you look at your order of worship today, the words for the candle lighting song, that's the wrong verse. So there is a little insert. Use this one instead. We got a week ahead of ourselves. I think we're all just ready for Christmas. Do please use this one that says, light the Advent candle three. So make sure that's the one you're singing. Also, several events uh, to make you aware of. If you did not know, our youth have been working incredibly hard. Our youth and our kids have been working incredibly hard with their teachers and helpers to prepare a play that they are going to be sharing with us this evening. Uh, That is at 5 o'clock, so please plan to be here for that. They really have worked their little butts off, and it's important that we come and we support them. I'm also going to need some folks to help when the service is over to move the altar out of the way so that the kids have full access to uh, the platform. And then at 6 o'clock, we have our annual chili supper. Uh, If, like me, you signed up to bring something and you forgot what that was, The list is outside my office. Make sure you're checking that before you leave. And then if you can believe it, next Sunday is Christmas Eve. We will have our normal Sunday service, normal time, and then gather at 6 p.m. for our uh, evening service. The church office will be closed the 25th and 26th, and then again on the 1st in celebration of the new year. I also want to draw your attention to our banner of the week the one with the dove there. This is the banner of joy. And as we've been talking about every week, um, Keith and Penny Joyner made these banners for our church many years ago. And I want to tell you about the symbolism in this banner. Herald trumpets are representative of the announcement of joyous occasions. Both the IHS abbreviation and the crown dove are symbols of Christ. When combined with the trumpets, they bring to mind the joyous, angelic announcement of the birth of Christ. Purple rays at the base indicate the dispersal of the joyous news throughout the earth. So that is our banner of joy on this Sunday of joy. And now I'm going to ask that we take a deep breath together. And we take this deep breath to settle ourselves, to prepare ourselves for worship because we're not always very good at slowing down especially this time of year it seems like there are 
a million things to do, and never enough time to do them. So take a deep breath. If it helps you to close your eyes, that is perfectly okay. As you breathe in, breathe in the quiet, breathe in the joy of being surrounded by a group of people who love you. As you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list. Breathe out the gifts that are not wrapped. Breathe out the dinner plans that are not made. Breathe in again. Know you are loved by God just as you are in this moment. And then if you would, please join me for our call to worship. No, excuse me, that's not me this week, I apologize. Are y'all ready? Okay. Here's your cue, thank you so much.
Good morning, young friends. How are we today? Good, everybody good? Okay, who can remember and tell me, and I want you to raise your hand, please don't yell it out. Parker, who can remember and tell me what season we're in? What season is it? Winter, close, I meant at church. What is it? Advent. Was I looking at you, Goofy? No. It, what, did you know the answer? Okay, what holiday is it? It's almost Christmas. Parker, sit down for me, bud. It is Advent. And one of the things that we do during Advent is we welcome the coming of the baby Jesus, right? Because Christmas is when we celebrate Jesus being born. But we also welcome new people to our church. We make our church look really pretty and welcoming. Do you see all the different things up on the, on the platform and how pretty they are and how we put up banners, we put wreaths in the windows. The banners are new, we don't have those up all year. We have lots of flowers, which by the way, if I didn't mention, please leave those after the service. We give gifts, so we try to make ourselves very welcoming. We share with other people, we, get, we welcome our guests. So, what does it mean to be welcoming? What does that mean, Parker? Let somebody join you? What does it mean, Camden? Okay, say, hey, come on to include them in things. Good morning, girls. Come on down here with us. What else does it mean to be welcoming? What do you think, Ellery? Okay. Okay, if they're cold, you let them come in and get warm. What do you think? Being nice and just asking, do you want to join us? What do you think, CJ? Okay. You know what else we can do? One really easy, visible, one way that we can look at it and know that somebody's welcoming? What do you think this is in my hands? It's a mat, and what does it say on it? Welcome. Welcome. We could put out a welcome mat. What do you think about that? We could put color in it. We're not going to do that right now. But here, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking for today, just for today, because we can't leave it there all the time. What if we put the welcome mat in front of our communion table? Yeah. So everybody knows they're welcome to come and take communion. What do you think of that? So that's what I'm going to do. When, when we're done here, I'm going to go and I'm going to set this on the floor in front of the communion table. So those of you serving communion... This is still kind of rolled up on the ends. Be careful. Don't trip. If we need to move it, we will. But we're going to put this out so people know they're welcome, not just in our church, but our communion table. What do you think of that? Yeah? Well, yes, sir. You can help me. Would you help me? Okay. Because bending over is hard for me right now, so that would help me. <laughs> all right. Now, here's the next thing we're going to do. I want you all to turn around. Stay seated on your bottoms, please. Keep your hands to yourselves. Hands in your laps. Sit up nice and straight and tall. Look very proud. Good. We will say our prayer. I'll say the first line. You say it back to me nice and loud. Adults, you're welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. 
O holy child of God. Amen. You can go back to your seats now. Thank you. A reading from Psalms 126. Remember when God brought back the exiles from Zion? It was as if we were dreaming. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were spilling over into song. The word went out across the prairies, the deserts, across the hills and across the oceans wide from nation to nation. God has done remarkable things for them. We shook our heads. All of us were stunned. God has done remarkable things for us. We were beyond happy, beyond joyful. And now some are held captive and poor. Release them and restore our fortunes as the dry riverbeds of the south spring to life when the rains come at last. 
Those who walk the fields to sow, casting seeds in tears, will one day tread those same long rows, amazed by what's appeared. Those who weep as they walk and plant with sighs will return singing with joy when they bring home the harvest. A word from the psalmist for us today. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, somewhere in our childhood, we face pressure to outgrow awe. We turn into adults who obsess over data and facts. We praise those who have answers and assume that wonder is an answerless game. Forgive us for closing that door to you. Remind us that the kingdom of God belongs to children. Teach us the ways of awe and wonder so that like Zachariah, when we find ourselves speechless, our first words will be words of praise. With hearts open wide, we pray. Amen.
reading from the Gospel according to Luke. When the time was right, Elizabeth gave birth to a son. News about the Lord's special kindness to her had spread through her extended family and the community. Everyone shared her joy, for after all these years of infertility, she had a son. As was customary, eight days after the baby's birth, the time came for his circumcision and naming. Everyone assumed he would be named Zacharias like his father, but Elizabeth named him John. Her family said, that name is found nowhere in your family. They turned to Zacharias and asked him what he wanted the baby's name to be. He motioned for a tablet and he wrote, his name is John. Everyone was shocked by this breach of family custom. They were even more surprised when, at that moment, Zacharias was able to talk again, and he shouted out praises to God. A sense of reverence spread through the whole community. In fact, this story was spread throughout the countryside of Judea. People were certain that God's hand was on this child, and they wondered what sort of person John would turn out to be when he became a man. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. So there are many parts of pregnancy you cannot plan for. Those of you who've been pregnant know this. There is a gut level of hunger, especially as you get into that third trimester, that never goes away. The heartburn is uh, quite intense, the swollen feet when you stand up for too long. One that I had not heard of before but I experienced was an increased gag reflex. That was a lot of fun, trying to brush my teeth. And even if people warn you about these things, there's nothing like living through them and living with them for so many months. Another unexpected thing you can't plan for in pregnancy is unwanted and unasked for advice. (laughs) I've been pretty lucky, I think probably because I haven't looked particularly pregnant until recently, Um, but I have had those people who say, well, sleep now, because once the baby comes, yeah, we know, we know we're not going to sleep. I've had people touch my belly without asking, that's frustrating. I've had people talk to my belly without warning. That's, that catches you off guard a little bit. But other women have had it much worse. I have heard horror stories, of one in particular from a friend, very petite, pregnant with her first baby, and because of how short she is, she looked really pregnant really early, and some woman came up in the grocery store and said, how many babies are you having? She said, just one. And the woman didn't believe her. Uh, She said that was a rough day. 
I've heard about difficult demanding in-laws, wanting full access to baby as soon as baby comes. Thankfully, my in-laws are not that way. And a level of judgment that makes mom guilt happen even when baby is still in utero. I mention this because the people surrounding Elizabeth in this morning's story are the epitome of unwanted opinions. So if you didn't quite catch what happens, let me, let me explain the story. After Elizabeth delivers her baby, her community celebrates with her, which is wonderful. The problem begins at his circumcision, when the child is to be named. Now, the neighbors, the relatives who have come, assume that he uh, will be named after his father. That was the tradition for sons to be given a family name, usually after their father. Naming was the father's prerogative, in particular because it meant that in naming the child, the father was claiming the baby as his own. But Zachariah can't speak. So Elizabeth has to be the one to say to the crowd when they say, oh, his name's going to be Zachariah. No, his name is John. Now, this is not a family name, but it is a name often found in priestly families. Remember, Zachariah is a priest at the temple. And John means God has been gracious. It's a beautiful name. Then there's also the small detail of it's the name that Zechariah was given by the angel. This boy's name is John. Now you might wonder, how does Elizabeth know? How can she possibly know this is her son's name? Well, as we see in this story, um, Zechariah is, is literate. He can write. The people around him can read because they read the note that he writes. So maybe in one of their marital conversations during the pregnancy, Zechariah wrote this down for Elizabeth. His name will be John. That's probably what happened. But I want you to remember from last week that Elizabeth is a prophet. So it's entirely possible, and in fact, I like this reading better, that she has been given this name by the Holy Spirit just as Zechariah was given the name by the angel. The point is, No matter how she comes to know this name, John's name comes from God, and Elizabeth knows it. Now, this doesn't matter at all to her family. They don't listen. They override her, maybe because of patriarchy, maybe because of tradition. It doesn't really matter why they do it. No one listens to Elizabeth, this first prophet of Mark's gospel. Isn't that ironic? So they ask Zachariah, what is his name to be? And he confirms, he writes it down. His baby's name is John. And the text tells us that Zachariah's mouth is immediately opened. He begins praising God. The first thing he does when he gets his voice back is praising God. But isn't it also ironic that for Zechariah to regain his voice, Elizabeth's family silences hers. Now, I will give the people credit. They do have the sense to be overwhelmed by what has happened to Zechariah. The neighbors, the text says, are filled with awe at God's ability. They're likely also a little bit afraid because they realize 
what happened to Zechariah could happen to them. They could be muted. When the text says in verse 65 that people place these things in their hearts, does that phrase sound familiar? Because that's also what Mary does after the angel comes to her. They place these things in their hearts. That's an Old Testament idiom. And it means that the person perceives that something significant has happened and is prepared to act on it. So they know. They know this is an important moment. It doesn't quite make up for the fact that if the family had had their way and had named baby John after his father, the small miracle of Zachariah regaining his voice would never have happened. However, what the people do well is joy. They're really good at joy. The Greek word used in verse 58 to describe the family in the neighborhood celebrating with Elizabeth is sukacharo. I might not be pronouncing that right. I apologize. It's been a long time since I took Greek. But what's important to know about this word, it's a very special word. It means to celebrate God's grace together, to share in someone else's joy. And the people start doing this at the very beginning of the passage. So these people, despite their faults, their lack of awareness of how God is already at work, they create a space for communal joy. They celebrate God's grace. They join Elizabeth in celebration. So my friends, the good news this morning with this short little story, is that even if you're weary, and remember that's our theme for this Advent season, how does a weary world rejoice, even if you're weary, you have a community around you here at at this church in which you can find joy. Much like the family and neighbors who surround Elizabeth and Zachariah, we don't have all the information. We will make mistakes when trying to enforce our traditions and our expectations. We are going to hurt each other's feelings sometimes. We will be and are imperfect witnesses to how God is working in the world. That's just the truth. And yet we can share in each other's joy. We can celebrate God's grace together. We can be a place of joy for others, particularly for those who are weary. So take heart. Take heart today, especially if you came into this place running on E, if you're tired, if you're not particularly joyful. Because the way that this works is I'll give you a little bit of my joy right now. And then later when I'm running on empty, I know you'll give me a little bit of yours. And then we'll do that again next year and the year after and the year after when any of us are running on empty. Sharing our joy can only strengthen us as a community, as a body of Christ. It is the thing that we are called to do. So take heart, my friends. Joy abounds, and there is plenty to share.
As we come to this time of communion, we remember that this is the table of the heavenly feast, the joyful celebration of the people of God. And in this Advent season, as we long for the presence of Christ among us, we often anticipate Jesus' arrival in traditional places of power. We seek our hope and salvation in the false promises of dominance and might, but instead, Jesus brought us salvation through vulnerability. He became bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. God, in the form of a baby, made herself dependent on us. An infant, revealing the transformative power of giving and receiving love through human flesh. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are the guests and Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it, so kick off your walking shoes and make yourself comfortable. We're standing on holy ground. All are wanted, and all are welcome here. No matter your doubts, your shortcomings, your failures, your griefs, no matter what you bring with you to this table, you aren't just tolerated. You are overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. And now if you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It is not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The night before Jesus died was a solemn time around the table. Because of his relentless pursuit of love and willingness to be vulnerable, he would be seized by those in power. Now this shouldn't be a surprise, because still today, we often crucify the ones who dare to risk it all on love. But before he was taken, Jesus introduced this simple meal to his followers. For though he knew the end was coming, Jesus joined with those he loved best. And as the night lengthened, he took a simple portion of bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples saying, remember me. And then in the same way, when supper was over, Jesus took a cup, and he filled it with wine, and as he was blessing that wine, he reminded the disciples that he would go to the ends of the earth out of love for them. Friends, Christ makes us the same pledge. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Now hear this benediction. May starlight guide your steps toward the place of wonder. May angels sing their news as you travel to the manger. May promise fill the days as we watch at the edge of birth. And may faith tell you, Emmanuel will be with us soon. Go be salty. Amen.